And that's really what my work is about. I unpack a lot of human condition. Human frailty is very fascinating to me. And talking about that liminal space where growth happens, because we're not really able to talk about growth while we're going through it, because Mm -hmm. it's such a transformational phase and transitions are painful if the good transitions are painful. Welcome to the... (laughs) No, 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 I can't do that. Let's try another one. Uh, How about this? (laughs) No, no, that won't work either. Let's try this. get on board with that. Let's roll with it. Welcome to the Begin the Begin podcast. My name is Jeff Hillemeyer, and I'm on a mission to find out what makes people tick. Not just anyone, people who are making a profound impact on the world. I want to dig into their origin story and get to the root of why and how they do what they do. I hope you are as inspired coming out of these conversations as I am. Let's get into it. This is a very special episode of my podcast. Jenny Vias is easily one of the most inspirational people I've had the chance to meet. And I put meet in quotes because we actually haven't met in person. I got to know her over Instagram, of all things. Her posts, both the art that she presents as well as the words that she shares, are sure to improve your day. In this episode, I dive deep into Jenny's origin story from growing up in India to her journey to the U.S. as a 19-year-old, to ultimately finding her purpose as an artist, helping people grow through grief and pain. You're going to really enjoy this one. I am beyond excited to chat with my guest today. You know, on this podcast, I'm on a bit of a journey to talk to, meet people who inspire me um, and who I I draw a lot of... um, motivation from and uh but but in this case i also get to talk to someone that i'm a huge fan of um and so we'll get into that but uh jenny tell everybody who you are and what you do hi thanks for having me um i am a fine artist based out of chicago um and uh i started painting about five years ago so kind of fairly new as far as you know personally how i feel about it um but i kind of went all in so it's been kind of a wild journey, and five years later, here I am, sort of established in Chicago, and I've done some work outside of Chicago as well. Yeah, well, and, and I want to get into the pivot you made in your life, yeah. because my understanding is you were doing similar things to what I do. I, I'm, I'm in the e-commerce and digital marketing world. That's, that's what you were doing before you yes. became an artist, right? Yeah. So my background, uh, my education background, educational background is in graphic design. I did that at UIC here in Chicago. And uh, I knew right out of the gate that I didn't want to just do graphic design because one, there's not enough money in it. And two, the idea of strictly doing something that the client wanted (laughs) within guidelines wasn't very attractive to me. So I dove right into e-commerce right out of college. My first job was in e-commerce. And, um, 
coincidentally, my boss was looking for a graphic designer because he didn't have the creative skills to kind of run the website end of things from a creative standpoint. So um, that was my first job. And then I stayed in that space for about 15 years. My last job was uh, heading e-commerce at Oprah. Um, there was an e-commerce, um, we had a brick and mortar store across from the studio. So they brought me on board to head that. And I stayed there for about four years until we shut shop because they, um, all of the operations moved to LA and uh, they didn't want to take the retail end of things down there. So we shut shop here, got a really nice sabbatical <laughs> uh, from Oprah as a gift. And that was the first time I took some time off in life because I just wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I didn't know I could paint yet. So this is all like before pre-painting. Um, and that's really, I think my pivot happened because I started turning down jobs in corporate world because I was in high demand, right? Coming out of Oprah. And after I had wasted a few people's times after I had gotten a couple offers and not taking them, it was very evident that I wasn't interested in the corporate world anymore. So I went yeah. into the startup space, but then the same thing, building somebody else's dream kind of didn't work for me. So after two years in that space, I had started consulting for digital marketing with clients in Chicago. And uh, that really kind of opened up the, the mental capacity for me to kind of start taking risks because um, I just went all in in the digital marketing space and I wasn't struggling for money. So that was kind of nice. I had, I mean, I will say one thing, networking is like the key. And, yeah. you know, and everything. And I have always networked. I mean, I'm that person who goes to a nightclub and comes home with business cards. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for me, like all of those, you know, came to fruition and I went into that digital marketing space. But even then something inside of me kept saying, you need to paint. It was really bizarre. And then like all great stories start. Mine started from a breakup, went through a breakup. Um, my ex-fiance and I split and during those six months of healing, when I really wanted to dive into understanding the patterns that had kind of governed my decisions in, you know, being in the relationships I had been in until then. When I started unpacking that, I just needed an outlet and painting became my medium for that, which I'm so thankful for because I didn't even know I could paint. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I, when I read your back, your backstory, um, it, it, it said that you, you had only painted once or something before you started Yeah. This? Yeah, so in graphic design, you're supposed to take all the basic classes, right? Like, so I took color theory, my one class of, like, understanding painting, um, hated it. And then I took, um, I think in color theory itself, I had to paint something. So I had to choose, uh, like, a postcard, I think. She had, like, 100 postcards on the table. And I was notorious for showing up late in classes. So I showed up, and all the good, easier stuff was all gone. So I had like these mini miniature landscape paintings uh, from this artist who literally creates like eight by eight miniature landscape. And they're so detailed. <laughs> like that was my pick. So I, had to, I chose one of those and then I had to paint the same thing. I had to basically recreate that and then paint the same thing in complementary colors. It was fascinating to see that transformation. Um, but that was it. That's the only thing I had ever painted. And, and you never thought about painting again? You just sort of did no, that? No, I, like, I did on? not enjoy the process, mainly <laughs> because it was so, again, like it was like graphic design. It was so um, restricted, right? Because I had to paint something that was already painted. And so the process was enjoyable for me. Um, yeah. But it did teach me how to understand colors and painting, like mixing techniques and stuff. So I think 
everything that I've learned over the years has really yeah. unpacked in painting It'll now. Gotcha. Well, I want to dive way back, but let me ask you one question because you talked yeah. about networking. Has networking helped you in the art industry? Oh, 100%. I don't yeah. think I would have made it this far in five years this quickly had I wow. not networked my whole life because relationships really, really go a long way. I've been able to do solo shows because of my relationships. Mm. I've been able to get placed in um, galleries. Um, I just got placed in a gallery because of my networking. So I don't think it's like, that's massive. I say, take names, take business cards. Yeah. That's one thing that when I get a chance to speak to say college students or something, I always yeah. tell them like network, like it took me years to learn that. But once I did, yeah, it, everything in life. can. Oh, it is everything. Out. I mean, I fortunately have never had to look for a job because yeah. of networking after my first one. Yeah. <laughs> the very first one you have to look for it. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Let's go way back. Yes. Where, where, where are you from? Where were you born? Uh, I was born in India from uh, a small city named um, Baroda. It's a metropolitan city in uh, Gujarat. It's, it's the state. And it's about from a vicinity standpoint, from a ge geographical standpoint, it's about 12 hours away from Mumbai. Okay. And grew up there? Did you, when I grew did you up get here? there. I was, yeah, I grew up there. I was 19 when I moved here. So right out of high school. And straight to college? Straight to college here. Okay. Uh, fortunately, I had already decided that I was going to um, study graphic design because I had gotten accepted in India in a, in a fine art college. Um, never knew I could paint, um, but graphic design program here at the UIC college. I think it was just like, it was too restricted to graphic design. I wish they had like, let me dive into the first year into painting and everything. So I would have probably made a different decision. Mm -hmm. But again, dots connect backwards. You know, everything lands you where you're supposed to land. Yeah, I know that's a big part of your belief system. Um, it is when, huge. You, when you came here, was it just you or did your family come? Did anyone else come no. with you? Uh, it was uh, my immediate family, my parents, my brother okay. and I. Gotcha. And everybody to Chicago. Everybody came here. We had um, an uncle who was uh, living alone at the time. His wife was still in India. So it just, he had a house and he, we just were able to stay with him. So it just made sense to come here. Right. Okay. And over time, do you, have you been back? I've been back about three times and the last one was over 11 years ago. And so I'm really, really, I'm ready. I miss you it. Do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> overdue. Do. Yeah. The, um, as you talk about sort of your path, you know, there's obviously a creative bent to what you do um, and who you are, but, but this, um, I'll call it a free spirit, um, this, uh, this sort of entrepreneurial bent, did that, did that come from one of your parents? Um, so uh, <laughs> I, as a culture, we're not risk, you know, like we are, we're not taught, we're not risk averse. We are very careful you know, like the chosen careers are usually medicine or engineering. Um, so art, I literally am, literally am the only, only artist in my generational, generations of our families. <laughs> like, I feel <laughs> like, I don't think there's ever been an artist in my family. Um, right. Even if people had skills, my grandpa could always draw. My mom was very creative, but even she studied uh, chemistry. So we, as, as a culture, we don't dive into this space. So it just wasn't a natural um, avenue that I would have chosen growing up, but I just, I was very creative. I could always draw. I never thought about painting, but I could like, you could give me a cartoon character. And I always tell people like, if you want to know if you can draw, if you can recreate, like even Batman, for example, I think you have the basic, you know, perspective skills, then I think yeah. you can draw. And uh, I could always do that. So 
the progression was fine with me, but no, it was entrepreneurial. I think my brother and I, for some reason, thank God we have it in us. And my brother is a software developer. He's a consultant. And so we went independent and we haven't looked back. My brother's always been independent. So I think Mm -hmm. that's another reason probably I was able to take that risk as well because he does really well for himself and I can always go to him for any professional advice that I need. Gotcha. Is he the older brother? He's a younger, just a year, we're literally a year apart. We're almost like, almost like Irish twins. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. So, all right. So you, you get to Chicago, you go to school, you end up um, in the field of marketing, digital marketing, um, and then you go through the breakup and then you're sort of sussing things out. Uh, It's, tell me, tell me about your art from the perspective of the things I've read. I sort of want you to tell. Um, Cause it sounds like, like the, the idea of the Phoenix and the rising and the right. like, t- talk about that for a second. Cause then I want to come out of 2013, I think is when you, you had this happen. Right. Um, so I've always been fascinated by human condition and fragility, like how fragile we are. And for me, not being able to, as a culture, we are, we are not taught how to manage emotional risk. We're a very stoic community of people. Um, and it sounds crazy because we're a very loving community. Um, but we don't talk about pain openly. We are, the, the, the mantra is that you pick it up, pick yourself up and move on, right? Like that, the, that's always the lesson that you're taught that you fall down, you get back up. Mm. And so that moment when you fall is never really conversed about. And for me, I had a very hard time communicating my emotions and my pain even in my relationships, personal relationships, romantic, romantic relationships, especially. Um, and so um, when I chose to paint, um, there's a book, which I love, it's called Still Writing by Dani Shapiro. Um, and her writing is just so incredibly beautiful to me. Um, and she unpacks this whole process of painting for an audience of one. Um, and her audience was her husband, because if you paint for the world, you really can never be successful, mm. right? Like, cause you're, you're never going to be able to make anyone happy. And so for me, I decided that my audience would be myself. Um, I'm a huge philosophy, um, um, nerd, I should say, I don't know. I hate calling, saying that name word, but like, that's what I am. I, I, I love reading about reading philosophies, different philosophies over time. And my father is a philosopher himself and he's spiritual also. So for me, it was such a beautiful combination of being able to have those conversations with him. But then it was also a very lonely space for me because I could never have those conversations with my friends, for example, because they don't share the same interests and they're not supposed to, right? Like that's a good friendship when they can bring other things to the table. Um, But I needed this like outlet, this space, this platform to share these uh, opinions, these ideas, these readings that I kind of saved over time and when I started connecting the two with my art and sharing those like quotes and these pieces of writings that I like, you know, like they get heavy and people started connecting with it. Like it was like music was playing in the air, you know, I'm like, oh my God, there's this, there's an audience for this. People can connect to this. So for me, it was like huge moment of catharsis. And that's really what my work is about. I unpack a lot of human condition, human frailty. It's very fascinating to me and talking about that liminal space where growth happens because we're not really able to talk about growth while we're going through it because Mm -hmm. it's such a transformational phase and transitions are painful if the good transitions are painful and we always we're able to reflect upon them as a third person when we've been been through it right like when we're under the wave there's no way we can talk about that 
So I wanted to document that, those moments, those changes, those, those transformational moments, because that turmoil, that chaos is really um, where that complete shift happens in our, you know, in our human condition. And yeah. uh, being able to capture that in my work is really the ultimate goal in every uh, piece that I create. I have so much, so many questions to ask <laughs> based on what you just said. I'll, I'll start with this one. Um, I'm curious, have you gone through something really hard since you started this journey and then really sat in that and the art came from it? Or are you constantly drawing from things that, you know, happened in the past or other people's? I think it's a reflection of both. I mean, as I go through, I think what, what this journey has done for me in the last five years, it's made me very patient and very mm. capable of reflecting upon every emotion that I go through because I, I get very focused, right? Like it's a very singular emotion that I try to capture in each painting and I get so fixated on it that I have to really truly unpack it for myself to like, if I'm talking about jealousy, if I'm talking about um, transitions between relationships or even talking about like my relationship with my father, for example. And like, people don't need to know that, that that's what I'm talking about per se. But like, these are the moments that I'm, trying to um, really translate into my paintings mm -hmm. um, for me to be able to um, process that as, as um, from an analytical standpoint, because I'm very analytical in general, like I'm always in my head. So for me, this <laughs> like again, kind of breaking it down has become such a wonderful thing. So um, I've gone through some tough professional situations where uh, in when I did some projects and uh, this this like documenting that and really understanding that some people like I I actually overstepped my 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 I guess I should say my boundaries in one of one of the projects that I undertook and learning to apologize learning to walk away from that learning to let the other person know that hey this was your project i apologize for taking the mm -hmm. lead on it because it's not my baby it's your baby i basically took somebody else's baby and made my baby right like yeah. so it was hard <laughs> and like those lessons as simple as they sound they're really hard because they can teach you so much in how you can be a leader and and since then when i lead projects i'm so much more compassionate with people so i think mm -hmm. those that these are the just like smaller learnings right like the larger learnings my greatest learning i should say is repairing my relationship with my father. Not that it was ever bad. I just didn't grow up with my father. I was 19 when I lived, started living with him here. So okay. he, we had farms in India. My dad had to take care of the farms. And for education, we lived in the city. And so I didn't see him every day. And growing up, not that they were, my parents are very much in love. It was never about their relationship. I just didn't grow up with him. So I had all this resentment that built over time that I had no idea. And my right. art has really helped me kind of like clear out those muddy waters and like understand why I'm so angry with him <laughs> because he, he hasn't done anything to, for me to be angry. If anything, he sacrificed his life for like a better life for me. So that's amazing. Think, so, so that, yeah. so that's super therapeutic for you to, oh, to, to go through this process. For both of us. Yeah. yeah. And I'm able to communicate that because before I couldn't, I would just be angry. And it's easier for this. This would be hard for me as well to sit down and like, truly express that to my, my father. My I'm mother. still working. I'm still learning. I think <laughs> yeah. I've gotten better. I should yeah. say in the last five years, I think it's always work in progress with, you know, childhood wounds. Your parents are really only trying to teach you how to survive in the real world. They don't know yeah. 
you know, the wounds that, and those wounds are necessary, but sometimes they don't know how deep the wounds get. I mean, the reality is that where your parents leave off, your spouse picks up, right? Like you expect your spouse to heal those wounds. And if you don't know your wounds, I think that's where the failures happen. And that's the pattern that had repeated in my relationships. So my last relationship fell apart. I really just wanted to understand what, because it didn't make sense to want to be with someone who didn't want to be with me, right? It just like to, I mean, to think that somebody else's will is a direct upshot of your actions is such a narcissistic like idea. And I had to really kind of get to the bottom of that, that it doesn't make sense. Why do I still feel pain for letting him go? Um, and it really boils down to the fact that I was so wounded from my relationship, my mystic relationship with my father, that I was just yes. really trying to fulfill that in my romantic relationships. And that's been, I, I'd say, a pretty heavy pretty big learning. It's almost like a manuscript. Yes. But to get to that learning, have you studied psychology? Have you, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. I went into a very deep two year, um, okay. deep therapy with, with a therapist. I'm talking almost two or three sessions a week sometimes. Okay. Gotcha. And he was, he was incredible. He was so patient with me because I can get very deep in philosophy and he would listen. <laughs> <laughs> and we would like, and it was wonderful. It was just, it just transformed me. Yeah. Um, so I would recommend that to people, like if you're really struggling, because it's not fair to your family, it's not fair to your friends yeah. to have to listen to you, like pay someone to listen to you. <laughs> pay someone to do it. Well, it's definitely, you know, a stigma here, you know, to go to yeah. a therapist. It's and very it much in be. our family. Yeah, I think that's tough. But um, I can imagine, is it, it it's probably more, I don't know, I'm, I'm making a huge general assessment here, but is it more um, accepted in the U.S.? than in India and, and 100%, so it's even, yeah. 100%. I, I, it's not even the norm to talk about it, right? Okay. Like we just, I think there's a story that's circulating recently. Um, a woman, an Indian woman, young Indian woman just um, committed suicide from postpartum depression. And that's not talked about. And mm-hmm. that kind of caught a lot of young women's attention because it's such a stigma to talk about therapy. Like, yeah. you know, postpartum de- depression is a real thing. My friends mm-hmm. have gone through it. And, uh, so yeah, no, it's not, not part of the culture. It's not no, the norm. My parents would never consider therapy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would never consider it. It's funny. And I'm, I'm not I'm like the only one. I'm like, we well, should all go to therapy. And they're like, yeah, no. <laughs> you're like putting therapy up on walls now. <laughs> Literally. I'm like, I'm all about it. <laughs> yeah. So um, the, the book you mentioned still writing, what's interesting about that author and what you said, she says, you know, she, she, you, you write for one person. She, you, um, Stephen King wrote a book on writing and it's his process for writing. And he says the exact same thing. He says he writes basically for his wife. He, he pictures her when he's writing yeah. and that's where he starts. And he says the same thing. So that's interesting. And, and as you, you know, paint for yourself, my, my question is, as you've um, had success and as you're being, you know, you're in more demand and you're being asked, has it been harder for you to always go back to, okay, am I doing, is this one for me or is this one for somebody else? Am I really staying true to painting for myself? Has that been difficult or, or no? So it does get challenging with commission with my work. Um, not so much because I really, that's the goal when I'm in the studio, it's really never about anybody else because if I don't do that, I don't think I'd paint anymore. (laughs) Like I think I would quit. Um, but commissions, it does get challenging because it, it's a marriage between my vision and the client's mm. vision. Yeah. And so my love for commissions is dying a little bit. And I have 
turned away quite a few commissions this year because of this reason, because at the end of the day, I didn't start painting mm -hmm. and telling stories. And it's, I'm not saying like, oh, I only unpack my stories in my work. I actually unpack learnings from other people, the conversations that I have with the world, anything that I feel like needs attention and needs a, like a stage, I will create that stage for that, you know, sentiment. But it's not so much, I don't have that liberty when I'm doing that, you know, when I'm painting commissions. So there, yes, there's a little bit of joy lost there. Yeah. I can I'm see working that. through it. Yeah. Especially your, you know, your story of, of graphic design and having clients and, and look, I understand <laughs> that that world is interesting because I, I, you, the client, you, the client wants a designer or somebody who really cares, but not yeah. So much that they're opinionated <laughs> to the point right where yeah right? yeah yeah it's an interesting world I had, a, I had a teacher in graphic design school and she said that um she had a client who wanted magenta and orange the combination right like and ideally like those are two very bright colors you wouldn't want to marry those and she tried to convince and she had created all these like color boards mood boards for the um client and the client just didn't like any of them even if they were beautiful combinations and they had set up a meeting at on one point in the client's office and she walked in and the entire office was orange and pink like mm. right and magenta and she's like you, you and so she realized she's like there's no changing this person's mind so she didn't give in and she ended up using that palette but like and that story stuck with me i'm like oh my god i never want to go through that like <laughs> like if i have an opinion so i do i will say this i do I will not take commissions where it's strictly the client's vision. Mm -hmm. I just won't. And if there is a conflict back and forth too much, yeah. um, we do end up with a decision that we both are happy with ultimately, because sure. I will, I will say, okay, that's not sitting right with me or it just doesn't, it doesn't translate to what I would do. I would never like, for example, like be the bridge, right? Like the mural they wanted an actual bridge. And I was like, I would never put a bridge. <laughs> like, it's just not my work. My work is metaphorical. <laughs> right. Like I want the people to be the bridge. Yeah. So, um, so stuff like that. And I will go back and forth and we talked about it. I'm not kidding three days straight. And we had like a week to get execute this mural. <laughs> We're still talking about the bridge. I'm like, you guys, I'm not <laughs> making the bridge. <laughs> so, so, um, I am curious, uh, as you, I, I read that you're a fan of um, serial killer movies. I won't say of serial killers, um, but of serial I'm killer, obsessed. like I'm thrillers. I'm obsessed with serial killers. I'm, I'm obsessed <laughs> with anything serial killers. I'm terrible. I'm not uh, one. <laughs> yeah, right. So I've got, I've got two questions. One, ha have you watched Mindhunter? Of course. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and are you a Hamilton fan? Like the rest of the world. Right. And yeah. so you know yeah. that the main guy is yeah. the king. Yeah. So yeah. that blew me away when I first connected those dots. But yeah. um, I, I just wanted to make sure you were a Mindhunter fan. Um, my real question is, do, do, is, there, is there, are there things that um, you don't yet bring out or focus on when you're creating your art, like, 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 like death, for instance, are there things that are so deep at this point, you haven't quite gone there? Is, is everything on the table? Like, how, how do you Not think yet. about that? Not yet. So I think the darkest painting I've painted is my, um, and I'll send you a photo of this if you want to insert it. It's um, called Duress and it's from quarant being quarantined. It was a pretty dark piece and that's the darkest piece I've done, but no, I haven't even gotten anywhere near okay. The darkness that I want to paint and I actually will like that is a show that I want to do hopefully mm -hmm. next year and it's not for 
you know, a regular audience. And I'm fascinated by death. I'm fascinated by uh, afterlife. I am, as a culture, we believe in, in reincarnation. And I just, like, the deeper, darker emotions are so interesting to me. Yeah. So, like, and I truly think that, because I'm very curious, like, what, what evil resides. I'm very, very curious about that space. So. Yeah. Well, oh my god! I can't that, believe we're like totally on a different tangent. Yeah, but yeah, I, I totally want to paint that. Yeah, I mean, I can see that, and and I can see that it'll be interesting when we talk again when you've been down that path because yeah. I can see that when you're, you know, I, it's interesting. So the closest I think I probably ever have come to maybe what you go through when you're when you're really in in you know focused mm -hmm. in on the painting and you're drawing from real emotion is like I've had to give two eulogies for people in my life and going through thinking about what I was going to say and the words I was going to use, it, like the emotions really flooded through of, of that yeah. person and my connection to them. Right. And that, and I'm guessing as you dive deep into some of these topics and going into things like death, that's, I mean, that's almost, that's gotta be like a uh, draining, right? Oh, incredibly draining. And every yeah. time I paint a very dark paint, a very dark piece that people might not even see it as, as dark. Um, it's so draining. Like it's just, yeah sometimes I need like three days off, you know, yeah. from everything. Um, and it's a lot of alone time. My, my, my therapy is being alone, right? Like I, I need a lot of alone time. I talk about it very extensively and people are like, what is your fascination with being alone? <laughs> 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 but, uh, but yeah, um, it is incredibly draining. Um, but I feel like if I don't do that every now and then, I, I feel like something's hugely missing mm. from my, um, intellectual, I guess, side that needs to be fed every few months. Sure. Yeah, I get that. But okay. then there are times when I watch like, a, you know, binge watch Mindhunter and then I need a break from everything serial killers. <laughs> so I'll watch Friends. No, you need a break from the serial killer show? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, you know, like if you yeah. watch Criminal Minds and then I watch uh -huh. Mindhunter, I mean, Criminal Minds is really, really dark, right? So yeah. people don't understand that. Like, yeah, it's a great cast, but the stories that they unfold, those are based on real stories. Yeah, right. There's some real evil out there. I'm I'm really curious when you first like how did you even start to say okay, I want to paint something? Like how did you even know what to buy? Did you do it on an iPad or something at first? Like how did that even start for you? So, I it's so weird because like I just wanted to paint, right? Like I had this calling and I felt it and I talk about like this intense pull this like it's it's there it's inside of you and you just know in your gut it's not here it's not here it's like in your gut you can just feel it and it's something that you just feel like you have to do and I had that during the whole six months of the breakup right before the breakup actually and if you look back when transitions are coming there are signs you just know that mm. something's shifting and I knew something was shifting in our relationship he had proposed four months into that proposal things have shifted for us um, and I just knew a change was coming, like a storm was coming. I just didn't know what kind of a storm. I didn't expect the relationship to fall apart. I thought the storm was going to be me, like actually quitting the corporate, you know, I, I was thinking about quitting the startup industry, the space and start my own you know, business. And, uh, which I did end up doing right before the breakup. Um, but I think I, I can't even like explain this feeling that I had that I had to paint the trans the actual like defining moment for me was when the breakup actually happened and 
I, right before, a week before <laughs> my like realization, oh my God, this is my new life. Um, the not fun moment <laughs> of being single. And um, I had seen an article titled The Crossroads of Should Versus Must by El Luna. And it's now a book. And she turned it into a manifesto basically in, in the form mm -hmm. of a book. And uh, when I saw the article on Medium, I bookmarked it because I just knew like it was a massive sign that things were going to shift radically for me when I read it. So I bookmarked it for a desperate moment, which I knew was coming. And a week later, I go out to party my first night out as a single woman with my girlfriend and the sadness the next day that came in, like it was in my bones, right? Like I'm sleeping on, in the living room on the floor, made my mom sleep on the couch next to me because I just couldn't be alone in the, in the room. And uh, I woke up at 3 a.m. because I had fallen asleep from exhaustion, crying. And then I woke up at 3 a.m., couldn't sleep. And I read that article on my phone at 3 a.m. And she talks about how she went from the corporate world in and started painting out of nowhere. Mm. However, I didn't know. The good thing is I didn't know that she had gone to college. She had studied fine arts. And I'm like, had I known that, I probably wouldn't have taken the dive. Uh, yeah. I thought, she, I thought she had my background in history, you know, because she had like worked with um, a couple of, she had worked with LinkedIn. She had worked with like, so her background was very similar to mine, designing products. She had worked with Uber, designing the original, like the very second um, generation of that app. Um, and so I chose to paint. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go paint. And so I went and picked up supplies the next day, posted this cold, cool photo with all my supplies and then started crying because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> um, I didn't know what I was going to paint, honestly. For the first six months, it was brutal. I hated everything I created. Um, and then I would share it on social media and expect likes. And it became about this like culture. Mm, and yeah. so I decided to take everything off as far as like take a break from that not share my work until I truly fell in love with it, which I really think that you should be a fan of your own work. If you don't really like your own work, yeah. because the world, I truly think the world is a reflection of how you feel. And so if you don't like it, you're going to think people don't like it either. Yeah. And so taking that break and then L, L actually was running a project called the hundred day project every year. And so it's still, it still happens every year in April. I think it's April 8th. It kicks off every year or April 3rd. And in 2015, the project was coming back. And so I had tr attempted it the year before, middle of the middle of the year, and it was terrible. That's when I had created a few pieces and I hated all of them. What, what is that though, by the way, the 100 day, it's do you, every day you do more? So every, you commit, commit to do something creative for 100 days. So you okay, could write gotcha. poetry, you could you know, write a book, you could mm -hmm. paint, you could stitch, you could, I mean, there are so many incredible projects that happen out of it. Yeah. Um, and so I chose to do that in 2015. Um, so, the, so I should say one more class that really helped me was my drawing class in college. Mm. Um, I had to take drawing 101. And in that, one of my teachers had given us an exercise to create work from negative space. So he basically made us like um, color the whole sheet of paper with charcoal and then had us draw with an eraser. So mm. he basically had us create a painting out of an eraser. And I was fascinated what showed up on my paper. I'm like, oh my God, this is really cool. And so that exercise stayed with me. And one day, it was like March 2015. Um, it was raining. It was a Saturday. I still remember. It was like two in the afternoon. I saw this woman's portrait with a lot of like in dark light. And I was like, oh, how about I like everything that light hits on her body? What if I created 
the painting out of negative space. And so I took a piece of charcoal and I sketched it out and I drew four of those and I threw them up on social media. And people were just like, oh my God, like what? I didn't even know you could draw. I'm like, I didn't know I could draw. <laughs> and so I still have those four original sketches and that's where everything was born. And I decided a week, month later I would join the project and I chose to unpack vulnerability mm. for myself because you know, it's a kryptonite for so many people, for me especially. Yeah. And so I chose to talk about uh, vulnerability from a relationship standpoint. Initially started from a romantic standpoint, but then it unpacked into, it kind of like spread across so many different topics. And I talked about vulnerability in like spiritual sense and, you know, like relationships with your parents, your friendships, everything that, you know, if you were to really understand risk, emotional risk, what would it mm-hmm. look like? And I'd say by, you know, they say it takes 21 days or 20, 20 days for a new habit to be formed. And I'd say by day 22, I was comfortable in that space. Mm-hmm. I was really happy. Um, yeah. And I started selling work like day two. It was crazy. Someone messaged me and I'm like Googling. I'm like, how do you price your art? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and like, I didn't, right. Like I had no idea. And as soon as she got it, she's like, double your prices right now. I'm like, oh, okay. wow. Yeah, it was like, it was such a fascinating journey because and to this date, everything that comes from the studio is never to sell. It's right. always to just like really create work that people can emotionally connect with because I'm a storyteller by heart and to be able to create, write stories through my paintings is such a beautiful journey. Was, was it right away, uh, maybe it was in that 100 day period where you felt the therapeutic element of what you were doing is that when that started to happen yes so like the very first day I posted just the painting and the title and I spent a lot of time on my titles right like people are always like those titles are really like interesting like each word is very like Mm. thought out um and so the first day I only posted the title the second day is when I tied a piece of writing with the title like a quote I tied attached a quote to it and people were like it was like instant gravitation towards that work and so I remember telling my brother, I'm like, oh my God, I think I found a way to tie in philosophy with my art. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so excited. And uh, it just kind of it, like, it had, it, took up, it had its own life at that point. So uh, what was your question? Sorry, am I answering it? Well, yeah, I was asking just sort of when the, um, when it started to become therapeutic for you. Right. And I think that's the therapy, therapy part for me, yeah. being able to tie in these, like for me to be able to really share my learnings and kind of have a bounce soundboard sound, you know, like with people. And cause mm-hmm. like, I get a lot of private messages from people who connect with my work and, mm-hmm. you know, it's cause it's very emotional and very deep and not a lot of people are comfortable sharing those sentiments publicly. And uh, when I get that, it's, it's such a beautiful gift because this isn't, the hope was always that I would start the journey with, you know, unpacking my feelings, but then it would become a conduit for other people to, you know, right. kind of insert their stories in it. And that's, I think the therapy part for me, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Like, I guess the greatest gift. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's remarkable um, that, that you've been able to find what it, it seems very obvious. This is what you were meant to be doing. And oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, it's by the work for sure, but just by the things, you know, the way that you talk about it. Um, I know that the, uh, you know, people, people rarely find, I think their purpose. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the times that's cause they don't seek it. 
Um, they don't know to seek it, um, yeah. but then finding it. So I think that's really unique. And you're able to use yours to connect and help other people. Um, when did that, was that always something that, you know, that, that idea, was that inside of you or did it not come out really until you became an artist? So I was always, the altruistic side of things was always, I was always interested in that. Okay. I've donated, I've worked with charities before, even before I started painting, I volunteered with a charity for about eight months. I pretty much worked there full time with no pay. And uh, I, um, it's for me to be able to give back to the community and to the world through art was a dream. Like mm -hmm. when I started painting, I told the charity when I left that I will help you with my art. And I did, I went back and donated works and I painted. And so for me, um, that's always been a huge part of my work that it was never just going to be about me. Like, mm. and I talked about it today, like hubris. I'm very, very conscious of that because it's a very slippery slope to go down, you know, from pride to arrogance. It's a very blurred, very, yeah, very I read blurred that line. Instagram post. So, I mean, cause you, yeah. you, you also write very, very well. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Someday I'll write a book. I mean, that's definitely on the list. Um, for sure. I, I got to think it has to be. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. And so like, for me, like altruism is really a way of keeping my ego in check. Um, and I don't believe in, um, and this is going to come off very, you know, with, with this, with the, with the environment in the world right now, true altruism doesn't exist. It just doesn't. You, true selflessness doesn't exist. And that's okay because we all want to feel good about ourselves. And if feeling good about yourselves is through altruism, what better way? Sure. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so that's the path I wanted to always choose. Um, my mom's very charitable. So for me, like that was kind of came through naturally. My dad, my grandpa was a freedom fighter. So we're mm -hmm. all like, our family has always been pretty altruistic growing up. And for me to be able to kind of create works. Um, as I do move forward, though, things are shifting because I want to, I'm a very data driven person. And for me to be able to create, projects that are have indisputable numbers i'm fascinated by that and i don't see a lot of art projects created in the world where yeah. they're actually capturing this like data through art and so that's my goal moving forward that i want to create a project to show kind of grasp the pulse of the good and evil in the world and yeah. shift that pendulum somehow in the in the positive positive in, in the positive light that's also a fascinating uh, direction. How do you, what, what's your process like? Do you, do you have an idea like that? And then for the next three months, you're working on that? Or is it daily? I, like, I mean, this is a five-year minimum commitment. Okay. Emotionally, I'm thinking about it because there's a huge, I want to work with, hopefully with a university of students or like Microsoft or mm -hmm. one of those companies to kind of collect the data, analyze it, make it publicly available. So that people can actually run, you know, numbers through it, create projects around it, create, create algorithms around it. And being an e-commerce junkie, like this just comes naturally to me to think from that standpoint. Have yeah. you read um, Factfulness? Yes. Yes, I have. Right? Yeah. And like mm -hmm. it, and that book, I think, is what propelled me into this direction because I've been thinking about it. But then when I read all those numbers. Yeah. And people still dispute them, right? Like right. people still don't believe numbers. And for me, I just want like... I just want the, this data that I can look at it and say, hey, look, in the south side versus the north side versus the east side of Chicago, here are the issues that we're learning from this project. Mm -hmm. And I can go to 
charities or companies or whatever and say, here are the numbers and here's how we can create programs around these numbers and to improve the, this data. And so I don't know the creative side of things yet, which is so interesting because I usually work more from the creative side, but I have no idea how the art side of that is going to work, <laughs> but I do right. know the end result, like what I want to capture. So yeah. I think so far I'm there as far as like the analytical side, but we'll see how I start the other way. Yeah. Because I, when I first started, I've been having conversations with people. And when I first started thinking about this, I'm thinking like, oh, the world, I want to prove that the world is a better place than it, you know, we think it, it right. is. Right. And I talked to a lawyer and he's like, well, you can't really do that because as a prosecutor, I can't walk in with any kind of assessment that the person is guilty or not because I can't be fair otherwise. So he's like, you have to walk in into this project thinking that it could be but the world is not a good uh, place. Interesting. And I'm like, oh my God, that just gonna like kill the love for the project. But then I'm thinking, <laughs> and that really, I'm not kidding, like for a week I was depressed. Um, but then I kind of woke up one day and I was like, you know what, actually, if the pendulum is on the negative side, I, can, I have numbers to show that here are the negatives and here are the areas of improvement. Let's create projects to actually move it to the other. How can we move the needle? Yeah. And so I think either way, we're going to end up, I'm going to end up on the, you know, in a, in a great place. If it's in a, you know, if I can come back and say, Hey, the world is better than, you know, you think we are, which factfulness already. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, right. But like from a, this is more of an emotional project because I kind of want to create this like emotional change in people because I feel like the unrest right now, mm-hmm. as much as it's necessary, I think it's just created a lot of pain and anger and hate. Yeah. And I think like as, as, an empath, I feel that collectively and I feel the need, a calling to kind of shift that needle a little bit. One of the things that I, that occurred to me when I was um, preparing for this chat was that um, one could tell a story that you, um, your journey starting five years ago um, was so that you could help in this time um, where so many people are having such anxiety and depression yeah. and difficulty and through your art and your experience you i mean you're, you're literally there to help people go through that process that come out of that stronger and we're gonna have to right but i i yeah. it occurred to me that it was really interesting and i saw some of the artwork you did and um i know black lives matter is important to yeah. you and and so forth <clears throat> um and so i think that's really important and and i think that people probably are that's probably why you are getting dms and stuff from people because everybody's dealing with this Thank you. And Black Lives Matter, I should say, it was a hard decision for me to make because I don't want to just paint for a singular cause. It's yeah. like, what if something happens with an Indian person tomorrow? I'm not going to go and paint Indian Lives Matter, right? Like for right. me, but this, the reason I chose to paint it is because from a systematic, systemic standpoint, we are, some, we are in an era where things need to shift, right? Yeah. Like I've studied enough about it. I am so like, I like numbers. Like I say, I have been deep diving for the last two years into the whole Black Lives Matter movement. And when I got called to do the piece, I was referred by someone to, you know, to the church. And when I got called to do that, I actually told them that I'm not sure if I'm going to put Black Lives Matter on it mm-hmm. because I am about community and, you know, movement and unity. And, uh, and they were gracious enough to let me, like they said, okay, if you don't feel strongly about it. That's fine by us. We, the, it's the process is about be the bridge, the book. Yeah. And uh, it took me, I, I'd say less than an hour to come back and say, let's put the hashtag on because I do support the movement. Right. You know, 
Um, and so why not? You know, I am here and I'm witnessing something pretty, pretty dramatic happening in our, you know, and things need to change. And in, in, in some areas, things do need to change. And so I think supporting it just, it makes sense at this point. But I do, I don't know if I'm going to paint for every cause out there. I just sure. don't want to be that, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I do want to ask, and, and, and um, we can skip it if it's, uh, if it's uncomfortable. But, no, um, not things that are uncomfortable, man. Okay. It <laughs> okay, should good. not be. <laughs> <laughs> good. I, I, I figured. Um, so ha- how has, have you felt that there has been um, any difficulty or any um, scenarios that you've run into being a person of color in the art world? Is that, is that a thing in the art world? Am I, mm-hmm. na- am I naive to even ask that question? I mean, like, no. No, I don't think I have run into anything as far as colorism goes in the art world, but definitely as a woman, that's mm-hmm. different. I mean, very there's a very small percentage of women represented in museums and galleries. Women artists, for some reason, have diminished over time, which is so bizarre because a lot of these artists who are their main students were all women yeah. in historically. Um, so it's just unfortunate. Um, and so, yeah, from that standpoint, yeah, hundred percent, like how we get treated as women versus men, there aren't that many women muralists. That was another reason I started. I'm, I'm an accidental muralist is what I call myself. <laughs> like, it's not something that I chose, like woke up and said, Oh, let me paint murals. It's just when I got asked to do one, the first one, which was at Violet Hour, I turned it down. I was like, oh my God, I'm not a muralist. I like, and, but like the person who referred me to them kept saying, just, just do it. Like just do one. It's a temporary mural. And it was so incredibly beautiful because I'm standing there next day and they don't know I painted it. And to me, it was the most incredible thing because like, it wasn't about me and it took me out of the equation. So I think murals for me, that is the point of attraction that mm-hmm. once I paint them, I walk away and it's never about me because I've been near my murals and people have no idea that I painted it. And I hate That's... it when my friends are there and they're like, she painted it. I'm like, shut up. Like, I don't want her to know. <laughs> like, it's like a j- moment of joy for me that I'm like not part of the equation. I've diminished. Yeah. yeah. So since, since all questions are, are uh, open, <laughs> I have yes. one more that I want to ask. Um, are you, do you think you're, I know you're better at your relationship with your father now, mm-hmm. but are you better at relationships over the last five years going through this and processing? And relationships as far as romantic? Yeah. yeah um, you talked about the breakup yeah, and how you, know, right, you, right, you right. reflected. Yes and no. Yes and no. That's an interesting <laughs> question because. Still work to be done? Still work to be done. I don't know. I haven't fallen in love yet okay. since then. So I don't know what that's going to be like. I think, uh, I got close to someone three years ago and it was definitely scary because um, getting your heart broken on the level that mine did, um, which I'm very grateful for because, you know, broken hearts are much more beautiful. Um, But I think um, the fear is there of how I will respond to a broken heart again. So that, so again, I have no idea. I, 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 I can't tell you that I've learned enough. Um, I, I've definitely gotten better, I'd say, um, in assessing if the person's right for me and I'm right for them. And I think I am kinder. I think that's like the greatest learning. Mm-hmm. I am a better, much better friend now than I've ever been in life. I'm not judgmental like I was back in the day, mainly because I didn't know myself as well. And I think until you do that, I don't think you can give true true non-judgmental relationships yes. to people. 
So yeah, from that standpoint, I'd say I'm a better partner for sure. Um, we'll, we'll find out when I fall in love, man. Well, hopefully that one works Yeah, I don't go on as many dates as I should. I really should. I'm like, I don't know. I'm so focused on building a brand yeah. right now that it's really hard for me to be emotionally available in any other space because this takes my everything right now emotionally. I get that. I get and that. I'm incredibly happy. So I, I feel like, I don't know if I have any, any more, you know, happiness to share. <laughs> it sounds Fair very enough. selfish, but that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Final question for you. And, and okay. I guess this will probably be like, if you ask me which of my kids is my favorite, um, but is there a piece that is your favorite or does it fluctuate and you really fall in love with one or another? Or is it the one uh, you're working on? It fluctuates over time, I'd say. Um, but Horizon is probably my favorite piece I've ever painted. Um, and I want to paint it as a mural. And so far, no one's asked me to do it, which I'm like, somebody <laughs> asked me to paint it as a mural. Um, I've had interest in people asking me to do it, but the piece sold last year. Um, and uh, yeah, but that's my favorite painting um, I've ever done. That's part of my 100 day project. Oh, really? From, yeah. From 15? From 2015, yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. All right, very cool. I'm actually getting it tattooed. Oh, okay. Where? Yeah, it was my tattoo artist idea. Okay. Uh, I'm like, oh my God, I actually like it. It's going to be on my shoulder because it's the girl with the birds coming out. Oh yeah. She's like, we can, she, she's like, we can have the birds coming out on your shoulder. So nice. very, very, have, very cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll put all these up. Um, but I have seen that one. That one's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So that's my favorite piece. Yeah. It was very um, cathartic. It was like towards the end of their project when I had like really, really like, um, found myself, I guess, I should say. Okay. That was the one. Um, I, I lied. I have one bonus question and there's sure. only one, there's only one right answer to this. What's your favorite deep dish pizza? I don't like deep dish. <laughs> That's definitely not the right answer for that question. But honestly, if I was to have it, it would probably be Giordano's. Okay. All right. Well, that's all yeah. right. Or Luminati. Honestly, Luminati's too. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not the right person. I'm not. Okay. I'm, I'm, but you did I say Lou Malnati's like, and we're going to, we're yeah. going to stick with that. So I should say Lou Malnati's actually, because the crust is much better. How about yes. that? Yeah. Lou it's it's crisp, crispier. Yes. Um, but yeah, I like New York pizza, man. I should, I should have oh. been sad. <laughs> oh no, you should have stopped while you were ahead. <laughs> I like thin crust. I like the little slices. Yeah. I know it sounds horrible, but yeah. Well, like Aurelio's, crust. have you had Aurelio's in Chicago? I haven't. Okay, it's got a really good thin crust. That's my wife's favorite. Perfect. I'm from Sounds Chicago good. originally. Um, we moved when I was five, but <laughs> we've been up there a bunch. But Aurelio's, try it out. Okay, um, I will. Jenny, I can't thank you enough um, for, for doing this, but for what you give back to the world. I'm so thrilled that you said yes to have this chat with me. Um, if there's, me. there's anything I can ever do to help you, let me know. Come to Atlanta. You know, Atlanta, we talk about the Phoenix all the time because we their city was burned down. And so we yeah. rose from the ashes. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll embrace you. Come on down when, when you can travel. Thank you. Yeah, I haven't been to Atlanta. It's on my list. So definitely, um, especially with Lisa, maybe one day we'll plan, make a, plan a trip. Yeah, that would be awesome. Well, thanks again yeah. and uh, keep it up. We love what you're Thank doing. Thank you. This is wonderful. Thank you for asking such beautiful questions. Thank you for right. having me. Of course. Thanks. Bye. Wow. You made it to the end of the podcast. I didn't think people did that anymore. Well, since I still have you, I'd love for you to do two things. 
First, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. That way you'll be alerted as soon as I post my next one. And second, I'd love for you to subscribe to my email newsletter. I send out an email every week or two, and it's really where I share my more personal thoughts and ideas. Plus, I give stuff away sometimes. You can find the sign up at my blog, jeffhillemeyer.com, and I really do appreciate you listening. <laughs>